When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. James, good morning to you. Good morning to you too. How are you doing this morning? I'm all right. I'm all right. You know the way when things go a bit wrong for us, we tend to get you know a bit in depth on the podcast. They can be they can be lengthy episodes. Mm-mm. I not only have a coffee, I have a flask of coffee, and I have a packed lunch. As a well. tent. <laughs> yeah. I reckon we could be here for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 this is not often the case for me. I actually didn't really sleep last night very well at all. Because of, uh, because of Arsenal? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about, you know, having to try and explain what's happening. Um, and, and I think it, I think it is difficult. I mean, obviously, people expect us to have an opinion, and you know that's uh, our job to an extent. But mm. I genuinely, I am kind of staggered at how we've ended up here quite so quickly. It is a pretty extraordinary mm. collapse. I think, yeah, by any standards, it absolutely is, and I think it is a difficult situation. I think if we were a different kind of football club. Like, for example, if this were going on at, at Chelsea, right? We'd know right. we know what they would do. They mm-hmm. would just, you know, sack the manager, sack the head coach, and bring in a new one. Um, you know, they've done it when they've won things, but there's a structure at Chelsea, I guess, which enables them to do that. And at Arsenal, what, what gives me such... Uh, pause for thought i guess is the 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 lack of structure at executive level at football uh you know the the football executive level where somehow we've ended up with all of our eggs in the basket of the man whose job is under serious pressure because of what's happening on the pitch mm. you know we're again we're, <laughs> yeah again again um it is yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Chelsea comparison is interesting, by the way, because the reason I marvel at how quickly we've got here is obviously that it's not long ago we were at Wembley uh, yeah. celebrating, winning an FA Cup. But then, you know, my mind does go to Roberto Di Matteo at Chelsea. You know, he went in there and won a Champions League, was gone by the end of the year. And uh, I can't lie. Part of me's thinking, are we in that boat now? I, I, I am staggered, though, at the speed, you know, mm. and I do think that 
it, it really is tricky, especially if you're somebody who, and, and I don't mind holding my hands up to this, I think people don't take ownership enough in football of opinions that they've held. My opinion was that Mikel Arteta was doing a very, very good job come the end of last season. And the speed at which my belief in that has unravelled, mm. it, it is bewild- it's bewilderingly fast. That's what I'll say. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. You know, there was a lot um, that he said and said he was going to do that people got on board with and were optimistic about and were happy about. And, you know, he he did win us a trophy. And there were reasons to feel encouraged, even if, you know, there were still obvious issues that, that he had to correct and get right. And, you know, we could all see that there was, you know, a long-term job. I mean, there still is <laughs> very obviously a long-term job at Arsenal to put in place. Mm. But like you, I'm, I'm, I'm astonished at just how bad it's got, how, how fast, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, we spoke about the fixtures the other day and we said, I think I, well, I think I said, well, you know, I imagine we'll beat Burnley. Uh, mm. And I was worried about what's coming this week, Southampton and Everton. I'm still very worried about those games. I mean, those teams are better than us at the moment. But to lose this match, and there are reasons that we lost it and we will come on to those mm. no doubt. Um it's very, 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 very worrying. I mean, four consecutive home league defeats is a really appalling run. Um, and if you can lose this game, I I fear, I dread what mm. other games you might be able to lose, you know? Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? People, uh, you know, we've done these uh, prediction things. Predict the next results if you can. It'd be pretty easy now, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, well, we could do it pretty quickly, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at our our Premier League. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Seven defeats from twelve games. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I mean, we've we don't draw any games. Um, yeah, we've drawn one, I think. We've won four. It, it is a really, really, really poor record and one that cannot now be absolved by it's been a difficult fixture list because we've lost mm. four of the seemingly easier games. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really bad. And like you, I don't have a great deal of faith in you know the powers that be to uh, guide us through this. Yeah. But I also think that there's a, you know... I think with Arsenal, there's always a temptation to kind of explode the issue and talk about, you know, it's the owner's fault or if it's the chief executive's fault or blah, blah, blah. But I do kind of think that we can't help but look at the fact that every single one of those Arsenal players, I think, is better than their Burnley counterpart. And they lost. Like, we are getting less than the minimum yeah. from the sum of our parts right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, whatever was working now isn't. And, you know, it's hard to imagine that the 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 training sessions this week and the team meetings and the the discussion before the game did not center around uh 
how bad things have been going and how poorly things have been going and how much we need a response and how much we need to perform and to stick together and pull mm. together and, and demonstrate that there is some some fight and some some belief left in this team. And then, you know, there are obviously reasons why the game turned out the way that it did that we'll get onto. But, you know, yeah, it, it is really worrying. Um and again, this is part of the reason why I'm I'm sort of I'm not t- torn is maybe the wrong word, but I I feel like okay, given the current form, there is a really good case to be made that Mikel Arteta could lose his job or should lose his job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that has been uh, the case for football managers since time immemorial, right? Emery mm-hmm. went through a bad period. There were lots of calls for his departure. Um, this is very similar, if not worse, even if there are slightly different uh, circumstances and, and slightly different context to what's going on. Mm. And I think you can you could say if it happened, if he got fired, you couldn't defend it, r- really, could you? You couldn't say, well, they got that wrong. You couldn't but, criticize it. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, though, I think it's possible to hold the opinion that it would also be good to get rid of quite a number of these players and that whoever is going to take over from Arteta if this mythical chop happened is going to have to deal with some of the same liabilities that Arteta has been dealing with and look he's picking them he's picking some of these players week in week out Uh, so that's on him but I think you can yeah, that's why I'm caught between two stools in a way. Yeah, you know? and I don't think that's wrong. I think that there are clearly two issues here. Mm. And and if you look at the way in which Emery's reign kind of unraveled and the way in which Arteta's appears to, I mean, I think there's an argument that Arteta's reign is kind of equivalent to Emery's in some ways just sped up, you know. <laughs> there's a lot of common mm. things. The difference being Arteta won his cup final. But... Uh, the fact that we are seeing these players fail in similar fashion under two quite different men, quite different coaches, to me suggests you have to look at what is the common denominator. The common denominator is this group of players. And clearly there are problems there. And you're right, a long-term process of bigger churn, bigger change, it does need to happen. However, on the other side of that coin, I think at this point we have to question whether Arteta is the right person to do that job. Yeah. Um, It's such a vast job, one that requires such uh, careful management. You know, that balance of basically believing that players you have have got to go, but simultaneously being able to extract the best performances possible from them Mm. is a really difficult task for any manager, potentially one that is beyond a first-time manager. I think we have to countenance that possibility at this point. So, yeah, I don't think it's an either-or. I think both are issues at the moment. And the, the thing that football always comes back to is that sort of slightly tired cliche of, well, it's easier to sack the manager. Yeah. And that is true. It is, yeah. But it doesn't mean that that's the the only solution to your problems or that the next guy isn't going to inherit 
similar no. issues. You know, you might appoint somebody else, and we might be here again in a year if the other things don't change. I, I think what I said before is true. The question now is: I think everyone agrees there is um, a big problem with this squad. The question now is sort of: is Arteta the right person to see that process through? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I think, well, at the moment you have to say it's looking very, very, very difficult for him to be. It is. Okay, this is something I think we'll come back to, um, the sort of broader uh, church of, of Arsenal, if you like, and, and what's going on and yeah. the wider issues. I think that that's something we'll address later because there are bound to be questions about that. But let's talk about this game in particular. Um, the starting lineup gave me a pain in my fucking stomach. Mm. Um, like I thought it was probably going to be what it was, but I stupidly perhaps held out some hope that there might be at least one, maybe two slight changes, tweaks, which were indicative of the manager trying to do something different. You know, mm. what were you um, looking for? Who, who were you hoping to see? Well, I was in? hoping to see Reese Nelson in, um, but obviously he's not available. He's not seems. available. Um, you know, in my heart, I think uh, Smith Rowe maybe getting a start would have been nice, but you know, I understand he's been out for a long time and we have to manage his fitness carefully. And mm. he just started on Thursday, so I recognize that. I think. Maybe the obvious one for me would have been Ceballos instead of Shaka. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Ceballos is pretty pretty limited in, in many ways. But when he came on, at least he did try and inject some urgency. His passing wasn't great at times. But, you know, I think for me, uh, maybe it's easy to say with the hindsight of, of you know what happened with Shaka and everything else, but but Shaka in there, Willian in there, I know there wasn't really a great deal to choose from, but you know, could you have had Saka playing from the right instead of Willian and maybe Maitland-Niles starting? Um, you know, I think there were things he could have done, even if the options available to him were not exactly ideal, but the fact that the only change we made from the, from the derby was Elneny in for Partey, and that was because it was enforced, mm-hmm. was depressing. I think it is. I, I have to say, I think in the front uh, three or four, whatever you want to call it, I think his options were pretty limited. I, I don't think they trust Smith Rowe to start another game in as many No, I, under, I mean, I understand that. That's why I said my heart yeah. was into that. My head, you know, I understand why. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I think the absence of Partey and Pepe, uh, albeit... Pepe, not a player Arteta has ever seemed to particularly trust. I think his inability to pick either of these players in this run is uh, killing him, basically. And I think it's, um, you know, it's a disaster for him, an absolute disaster. I think it's a huge issue in this team and one we shouldn't overlook. Mm. But, yeah, I think it's, I think Shaka is the one that, especially given what happened, people are going to look at and say that was a strange call. But, you know, it's one we knew was coming. I mean, he didn't play, pick him in the Europa game and that tells you what he's going to do. But I yeah. think Sabayos is an alternative. Maitland-Niles is an alternative. You know, we said on here a couple of weeks ago kind of that we thought we were witnessing sort of the end of Granit Xhaka at Arsenal and he, it feels like his Arsenal career is kind of in the death throes. And 
nothing that happened last night changes that, you know? And if anything, it just sort of seemed to confirm it. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was just so fucking stupid, wasn't it? It really was. Um, you know, the worst... I mean, the worst part. I don't know if there is a worst part. They're all just bad. But, you know, in the context of our current situation, when we're, we've been in this terrible run where we needed just a win. Mm -hmm. We just needed a win. We didn't really... We didn't actually need to play well, really. No, no. no. I mean, it would have been nice, and obviously I prefer it if we play well. Um, I can't quite remember the last time we played well. Was it Was it maybe Fulham on the opening day in the Premier League was perhaps the, the last time we actually played well? But we just needed a win. You know, we could have scraped a goal in the 84th minute, as has often happened against Burnley. We, we score late and wrecked our heads, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. Also, the fact that um, we had been much better, I think, in the opening part of the second half. Um you know, the first half wasn't great. There were a couple of little moments. There was a Lacazette chance, wasn't there? There was a Gabrielle chance. Um, so there were some moments in the first half. But I thought in the opening 10 minutes or so of the second half, there was more about us. You know, whatever was said at halftime seemed to work. You know, there was a shot for Kieran Tierney. I know it was with his right foot. I think it's quite typical that the chances that we got, two of them, uh, Tierney and Saka, left-footed players, had to take shots with their right foot. And Aubameyang's was a, a header. Um, was that from the Bellerin cross? You know, we were mm -hmm. beginning to put a little bit of pressure. And one of the things we don't do very well as a football team is maintain pressure on the opposition because we're 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 just... We're a bit stop-starty, you know. There isn't enough relentlessness, if you like, about the way that we play the game in the opposition half. We don't push them back a great deal. We don't pepper the goal with shots. But in that 10-minute period, I thought, okay, you know, we're, we're better. We're more lively. You know, maybe that pressure will tell and we'll, we'll get a goal from somewhere. And, you know, Burnley are a team that don't score. I mean, we fucking scored for Burnley yesterday, you know. Mm. So to do what he did in the context of our overall run and in the context of the game, was just fucking... Oh, I'm getting quite angry thinking about it now because it's just... I hate that kind of fake hard man bullshit. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, it's just performative. It's like, look at me, and people go, oh, look how much he cares, he's got passion. It's just cowardice in another way. It's selfish. It's just... Oh, it really is irritating because it was so pointless... And, you know, to to quit on the team, because that's basically what that is. It's kind of quitting on the team. And to grab the throat of a guy who was actually trying to do him a fucking favor, you know, by pulling him away and stopping him getting involved, like quite why that Burnley guy was doing that in the first place. If it was just me, I would let Granite Xhaka explode, implode, whatever the fuck. If I was an opposition player, I'd just let him on. Do what you want to do, mate, because you're going to get a red card or a second yellow or whatever it is. You know, it just compounded the fucking stupidity of it. Yeah, I think stupidity is absolutely right. It was incredibly dumb thing to do. Uh, and I, I have no doubt it cost Arsenal this game. I don't think Arsenal lose this match with 11 men on the field, um, mm. especially given the way they started the second half. I like your optimism there. I mean, I think we, you know, we're quite capable of doing that. But yeah, I know what you mean in the context of this game. I think they would. I think they would have taken something. I'm not saying they would have steamrolled. Burnley. Sure, sure. No, I get. Uh, 
I, I think it costs Arsenal the game. I think it's that big a deal. I think it changes um, a lot. And it, it's incredibly stupid. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, really. It's just it's just real idiotic moment, isn't it? I, I suppose what I think is like, why is... You know, it's very easy for people to go, well, that's Shaka. You know, he does that. I would say that isn't true entirely. Like, I, I'm I'm more inclined to look at it and go, well, why did Pepe headbutt someone a few weeks ago and now we got Shaka grabbing someone's throat? I, I sort of feel more inclined to say, what does that say? Rather than, you know, the what, fact what, Shaka sent it off for the first time in three years. What do you think it says? The players are unhappy. The players are really unhappy. The players are pissed off. That's what it says to me. Like, that, that speaks to me to a, a latent frustration within the group. Well, not that latent, to be honest. Mm. It's coming out. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that is not normal <laughs> for two players to do things like that in the space of a few weeks. Oh, well, That's I, I, not happy camp. Well... You know, there were two players who did it last night in the space of a few minutes because El Nenny mm. did something similar uh, just a few minutes later. I think after after they had a corner at a corner, he put his hands in the face of whoever it was. I can't remember now. I mean, I thought that was a very very weird incident. I have to say. Well, it was it was stupid from El Nenny. It was yeah. like he looked at what Xhaka did and said, "Oh, that's how you do it." I'll have a bit. And of again, that. Uh, for El Nenny particularly. As for with Pepe, out of character, yeah, you he's, have to say. He's not like typically a, a sort of combative, snidey kind of player. But it was yeah. ridiculous. I mean, you look at what he did, put his hands in the guy's face, the guy fell over, then he threw himself to the ground to make it look like there was some kind of clash of heads coming together. It was pathetic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. just pathetic. Um, and I think you're probably right. I think it does stem, which isn't to excuse it, by the way, it probably does no, no. stem from some sort of frustration um, you know, overall, whether it's uh, to do with uh, the manager, the team, they're unhappy with everything. Who, who the fuck knows? Maybe just because they're not winning games and and you know not playing particularly nice football. It can't be much fun to play football in this team. You know, it's just no. And we should talk about the type of football that we played. But yeah, I mean, I'm not absolving Shaka. I don't no, no, think no. He should be in the team. I don't think. You know, I think what he did is sort of uh, uh, dreadful, really, you know, unacceptable to use the, the term that Michel Antetta was prompted to use in his press conference last night. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I guess I look at it from a wider perspective and I'm also deeply concerned by seeing players kind of... I mean, I mentioned this in my post-match video, but my brother texted me and was like, Arsenal's players look like they're sort of going mad. <laughs> and and I kind of know what he means. This is weird behaviour. This is not people who are content in what they're doing. No, no, not at all. Not and maybe all. that's fair. You know, some people would say, well, they're losing. Fair enough. You know, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why. I just know what I see. Where, where does that leave Shaka now? Because my first you know, thought is just fucking get rid of this guy. Get rid of him. You know, his... I'm not saying everything that's gone wrong at Arsenal uh, is down to him. Clearly, that's not the case. There are myriad issues and and wide-ranging issues. But I think he is in some ways emblematic 
of the decline. He absolutely is. Since he arrived, our trajectory has been, in Premier League terms, because I know we've won some FA Cups in which he has been involved and, you know, credit to him for his part in in those performances uh, to help us win. But in Premier League terms, our trajectory since he arrived, uh, since he became pretty much the mainstay of our midfield, has been downwards. Yeah. And, and I... Th- yeah. Sorry, I, ju- I just think that the the wider kind of story coming out of the game that you have to think, and, and maybe it will be the story of Arteta's downfall at Arsenal. Time will tell on that front, but I think is is one of misplaced faith, is one of putting too much faith in the wrong people. And actually, I mean, I don't, I, as I said, I don't want to go too macro with it all, but I mean, that is probably the, the case at Arsenal more generally. But in, in terms of the squad itself, you know, Shaka, as you say, was headed for the exit this time a year ago. Mm. Arteta kind of talked him round. Not only did he talk him round, um, which was arguably a pragmatic move to get the, you know, Arsenal didn't have money in January last year, really. And he had to try and make the best of what he had. I could understand that. But not only that, he kept him beyond the summer. He's made him an important part of his mm. team. He's effectively one of his leaders. You know, the faith that's been placed in other players in this squad, in Willian, in, I don't know, David Luiz at a certain point, uh, in... Um, Lacazette, you know, to an extent. Lacazette and that's and not yeah. yeah. And that's not to be sort of like super critical of Lacazette. I don't think that Lacazette has been a bad guy, if you know what I mean. He hasn't been a, a bad influence or anything like that. But, you know, when you play him in the role in which he was played last night, you yeah. know, you're, you're, you're asking too much. Of that guy. He can't do it. I mean, there was that moment where he could have played Aubameyang in and, you know, didn't make the pass. I'm not saying it was an easy pass, but I think, you know, somebody better in that position would would have been able to find the pass through to Aubameyang. So, you know, uh, putting faith in someone to do a job that they're not necessarily capable of doing. You know, so Louise, for example, was a was a disaster class at times last mm. season, conceding a record number of penalties, red cards, you know, and he gets a new deal, new contract, and you know. So yeah, I, I do feel like that is maybe um, one of the themes of mm. how it's gone wrong for Arteta is that he, and I don't know if it's because of his own inexperience, but it has felt in some ways like he has clung or put great stock in some of the more experienced members of the squad, and I don't think that faith has been mm. uh, repaid, and I think he should have known better in some cases. For sure, for sure. I mean, where does that leave us now in the sense that, you know, is this the game in which he says, well, right, fuck it, fuck it. I've given these guys every chance Mm. to play for me, to perform for me, to repay the faith that I've shown in them, and they can't do it or won't do it or whatever it might be and you know that's not to say that uh, he doesn't have a part in it because you know he picks the team he uh, you know makes the tactics he shouts the orders from the sidelines for them to do exactly what he wants them to do you know um, I don't know if it's because there were some people there last night and maybe there was a bit more noise uh, but maybe has he been a little less Sergeant Majorish on the sideline in the last couple of weeks? I don't know. Wasn't I wasn't there last night, so hard for me to say. 
I don't know. But I mean, so yeah, we've got Southampton on Wednesday, so what does he do? I mean, does he pick Willian again? Does he pick... I mean, he can't pick Shackley, he can't pick Bellerin because they're both suspended, so at least two uh, changes are are enforced. But, you know, they're, they're... I think we said this the other day that there probably would be a bit more inclination from people to show to show patience and understanding, even if results weren't good, if you could see that the manager was saying, well, fuck it. These guys have been here for X amount of time. They haven't been able to do it. We need to go in a different direction. Short-term pain is part of what uh, is going to uh, provide medium to long-term gain. Uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play. I'm not going to say play the kids because it's, it's a bit reductive and it's a bit... Um, you know that's that's very much heart overhead because you you have to find the balance between young talent and experience. It's really important. We know that because you just don't want to um, throw kids in and and just demoralize them and and damage them at an early point in their career. But there has to be a balance, right? There has to be a balance between the the uh, overpaid, overaged, underperformers and some young talent at the club who might bring some freshness, who might bring some fucking guts, who might bring some some fucking uh, something, anything at this point. Because if it's not them, who is it? Well, we are fortunate in that a degree of change will be enforced, right? I mm. mean, Shaka will be suspended, Bellerin will be suspended. Critically, Pepe is back from suspension as well. Um that feels uh, very significant to me. Mm. I am sure he will start this game. If he doesn't, I honestly uh, will tear what's left of my hair out. I can't. I will be astonished if he doesn't start this game. If uh, the fact that we don't have Europa League group stage games anymore kind of renders the switching of teams you know uh, you know i think there's been a sort of sense which he's been operating with two distinct teams that's now out the window so people like smith rowe people like reese nelson um have to be considered i think for selection on wednesday angelie maitland niles is another name you would mention probably coming in for bellerin so i think we will see changes on wednesday i mean the only thing you'd have you'd say is they're enforced it's not because arteta's Mm had some come-to-Jesus moment and thinks, now I'm not going to pick Willian anymore. It's it's the fa- fact that circumstances will will force him to change. So I don't quite know how to interpret it. But yes, I'm sort of weirdly optimistic that we'll see something at least slightly different on Wednesday. But I, I have to say, I think there are structural issues in this team that go beyond even even two or three individual players. I just, there were times last night, and I'm sure you noticed this too, where you had Granit Xhaka, ostensibly the midfield player, dropping in kind of as the third centre-half. You had Mohamed Elneny coming deep to get the ball, you know, on the edge of his own penalty area. And then obviously Lacazette is your second, is your sort of number 10. So either he's in his own half or he's desperately uncomfortable, or he's in a kind of front five. And you've got this, Gulf, this chasm in between these two banks mm. of five, essentially. Yeah. And that has been the case for quite a long time now. I mean, even in the derby, it felt like at times we played a one-man midfield in the first half with Thomas Partey. And I just think it doesn't work. I just think it doesn't work. 
Um, mm. what, it doesn't matter if you call it about four or about three or whatever it is. If you play in two lines of five with nothing in between, it's not going to work. And as bad as Shaka has been, and listen, I think he's been awful. I think in some ways the change of his in his passing how much more conservative it is, how frequently he's looking backwards. I think in some ways that is the canary in the fucking gold mine. Because <laughs> if there was anything he could do before, it was it was play the ball into dangerous areas between the lines. Now we just we don't have any connection at all between these defensive players in yeah. commas and the attacking players. How many times have you seen an Arsenal player stand there looking for somebody to pass the ball forward to? You know, in that kind yeah. of weird space between what you might call either the base of the midfield or the top of the defence and, you know, the central midfield area. There's just fucking nobody there. There's nobody there. I mean, last night there was a, a moment I just... I wrote about it on the blog this morning where Xhaka dropped back as the sort of middle centre-half where you might see a sweeper. Um, he was deeper than Gabrielle and Rob Holding. And the person dropping into the deep defensive midfield position is Alexandre Lacazette. Mm, to pick up mm. a ball, he turned, beat a man, and then played a pass directly to a Burnley player. I mean, how can you connect the areas of your team effectively if that's the way your players are are being set up. I don't understand what it is. And I think this is this is another uh, uh, issue for me, right? Because I I you know, I worry about the the structural issues at the club and who takes over or mm. who who makes the decision if Arteta goes and what sort of remit will they be given and who's making those selections and you know the, the, there's a, a really loud voice in the back of my head which says, you know, somebody needs to put right all the things that have gone wrong at this football club over the last number of years. From the end of the Arsene Wenger era to the sort of the, the absolute disaster that was the structure we put in place uh, following that, you know, with Mislintat, with Sanyehi, with, with um, Emery, uh, all of these people who are now gone, that's fallen apart inside 24 months. There were obvious problems. We were, we were ripe for opportunists. Uh, and I think we are suffering right now the consequences of, of just mismanagement. And I think we have to look at the owners. We have to look at their, their hands-off approach. They let that happen under their watch. They let Arsenal be... Uh, picked over but like vultures we're the carrion and the vultures came in and just did what they want and this is what we're left with right and at some point somebody has got to put it right somebody's got to put in place the structures we need um, to improve immeasurably in how the club is run decision making from top to bottom from a football uh, club from a football perspective as well right Um. And that's where I think some kind of continuity is is important at some point. But it's got to be the right man. And if there were enough positive things about the football that we were playing and the way that the team was performing, even if results weren't great, and you could see a plan, you could see a style of football, you could see an identity emerging, if we were 
making decisions which made sense for us in the long term instead of uh, trying to hodgepodge and fudge our way through with short-term decisions to try and get us back to where we think we should be when in reality we are so far away from that you know it's it's all a mess it's a mess um it is it is and this is where the this is where i'm not again not torn but i just i feel like the 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 issues go way beyond Mikel Arteta, I think there's a lot to do at this football club and somebody has to do it. I'm not saying it has to be him, but somebody at some point has to do it. Like if you take Arteta away, what have you got? Edu. If you take Edu away, what have we got? Per Mertesacker in charge of the academy? But that's a different thing <laughs> playing altogether. Playing Game Boy in the stands. <laughs> playing Game Boy, yeah. He was yeah, probably playing Plague Inc. on his phone looking for a vaccine for <laughs> Arsenal, you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so this is this is where the difficult the difficulty or the maybe our our problems are just so multi-layered it's it's impossible to to see the light at the end of the tunnel if you like. I think that's true and I, and I don't deny that. I think that there are clearly big problems at Arsenal. I don't think, however, that they are to blame for how badly the team is playing. No, I no, just, I don't. That's what I'm trying to say. The, 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 yeah. Those separate, they're they're separate things. Like if if yeah, exactly, they well, are separate in and, in some ways. I mean, obviously, the the decisions that we've made in the transfer market, you know, some of which are down to Arteta as well. We have to uh, acknowledge yeah. that uh, you know some of those there have been some good things as well. Let's not ignore those, but. You know, we we are, I think, uh, reaping the consequences of uh, uh, of what we've done and what has been done to us by certain people over the last little while. Yeah, I, I'm wary of being too revisionist because I feel like there's this thing that happens with Arsenal where on the day after transfer deadline day, everyone thinks we've done really well. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, we all go, that business was all a disaster. Um and I think that that, like, that's a bit... It's, it's the prerogative of the fan. The fan can always change their mind and there's no consequence to it. But, you know, I don't think Arsenal's summer business, you know, was was unilaterally bad. I mean, they, they bought some good players. They yeah. fixed some problems. There There is no excuse, I don't think, for this squad being as low as it is in the table and losing as many games as it is. And I think if if the if we were getting as we were in Arteta's first few months in the job more from these players, mm-hmm. I just feel like all that other stuff fades away. I really do. I just think you know where you are. It's all changes the framing of it. You know, it's like when you win the FA Cup. It's like oh wow, you know, it's this uh, a brave new Arsenal, and you yeah, know, yeah. We've, we've moved on from Sanjay, and we've got a fresh start. You lose a few games, and it's like now the structure is a problem. Now actually, it's it's you know stands for. But I, I do kind of think, isn't it just about winning games? It is, of course, about winning games. And if you're winning games, maybe those things don't merit any discussion. But we're not. And I, you know, that's where, yeah. that's where this comes into focus. That I, it I'm is, partly playing devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, but, no, yeah. I understand. I understand. Um, you know, but it is very difficult to look at the way we have been run 
in the last mm. number of years and not draw some correlation between what's happening now and that, which isn't to absolve Arteta of his role in it. You know, he's picking some of these players. Um, you know, he 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 is limited uh, in, in terms of what he's got to work with. Mm-hmm. I think we accept that. There's a there's a time issue as well where you say he's only had one transfer window, really. Mm. Um, and a couple of the players that we brought in in that transfer window are good players. We like Gabriel. We like Thomas Partey. You know, Willian, yeah. Willian is the meatloaf signing because mm-hmm. two out of three ain't bad. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm just fucking... I don't know what to think. Yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely, it's very difficult to explain. I, I think as well, I mean, I touched on the summer transfer window, and I do think that one thing that everybody agreed on is that while the incomings looked promising, the failure to move players on uh, was bad. And I actually think Arteta is paying for that now. I think that the squad is... The phrase that came into my mind when I was thinking about it in bed last night is was sort of disgustingly bloated. Like, it, it is too big, this squad. And it has led to a situation where he hasn't even been able to register certain players or he's had to make choices to exclude certain players. Mm. And I do think, what does that do to a camp? What does that do to the atmosphere at the training ground? You know... The fact that he's got too many players and he's not using them all enough. All Arsenal's most successful squads, certainly in the Wenger era, tended to be slimmer. Mm. Tended to be like 18 players who knew they were involved. I just feel like in the current Arsenal squad, there's about 10 people there who probably aren't happy. Yeah, I mean, we didn't sort of have 10 centre-halves under Arsene Wenger. No. No. Sometimes we probably didn't have enough, but yes. it was a very different approach. But I, I think, I think he and you know we're now starting to hear bits and pieces mm. coming out, and it's not a new thing actually. Like Arsenal have been a little bit of a leaky club, haven't they, over the last few months? Yeah. And I just think, yeah, that I, I think they've got an unhappy camp. Um, that's that's my perception, and I'm not saying that you know on first-hand authority, but that's what I see. So, yeah, where where do you stand on that? Because there's part of me that goes, well, you know, this is in some ways a mess of Arteta's own making in that, you know, he made decisions to leave out Ozil, to leave out Socrates, and, you know, they're still there. They're, you know, at training, I guess, and it must be difficult for, for them as senior players, and it must be difficult for, you know, some of their mates in the squad. Um, it does create a, a bit of an issue. Uh, at the same time, I kind of think that some of the players maybe are... Mm, don't perhaps have the club's best interest at heart? Well, no, they don't. They so, don't. You know, but, but nevertheless, it's still a very unhealthy situation. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to raise my eyebrows when I see a stories coming out. And this is not, not to criticise any journalist, because you wouldn't print these things unless you really thought they were true. But, you know, about... It turns out Ozil and Socrates are incredibly influential in the dressing room. 
and then you sort of go, well, where where could that have come from? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I do sort of think, but but that's inevitable because you've got you've got players who are in really unhappy situations and it isn't just them it's William Saliba it's you know Matteo Ganduzi it's mm. probably at this point people like Reese Nelson who are like I thought I was going on loan now I'm not on loan I can't get a game well he did you know, it now in fairness he he refused not refused to go on loan but he said he wanted to stay and didn't want to go on loan because he, he said he wanted to stay and fight for his place and yeah he's not playing I, I don't think there was enough I don't think there was massive concrete interest for him to yeah, go anywhere yeah maybe not but uh, yeah I mean I, I, I can see what you mean and there must be some young players sitting there going well look at these guys look, look at the results look at the performances when am I going to get a chance? Why shouldn't I get a chance to try and do better than that? You know what I mean? Yeah. How does he make it happy again? Can he make it happy again? I, d- I don't know. Like I say, I think he's got, you know, a third of the squad sitting on the sidelines carping at him, probably. But but that is partly a mess of his making. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, no, I, I agree. Also- I agree. Uh... So I, I is 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 Edu culpable? Of course, yeah, of course. You know, look at a situation like the Saliba thing, not managing to sort the paperwork for him to go out on his loan. I yeah. mean, that is, you know, I don't think that's talked about enough. What a massive disaster that's been for this football club. Um, so yeah, of course, Edu is culpable too. I, I, yeah, I, I just sort of, I, I it, there are all these sort of bigger cultural issues, but none of them can explain or excuse this team playing quite as badly as it is. And I, what's incredible is that I would have said Arteta after sort of the FA Cup final, I would have thought there was no way I could contemplate him getting the sack, you know, in the first half of this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we're in a place now where if you're not talking about that as a possibility, I think you're not looking at the facts, you know? Mm. I mean, I don't think it is particularly realistic. Sorry. So I don't think it will happen. I don't think they'll do it. Um, but the question of whether they should has to be on the table. Yeah, I don't think they will either. I mean, it might be a case that, you know, uh, is it Arsenal holding their nerve, you know, recognising that there are all these problems and they believe that Arteta is the right guy to to fix them or, or whatever it is. But, you know, how long can any manager last unless they start winning games? When you can look at the question, Yeah, go on. Sorry, why do you think Arteta's lost the goodwill of the fans quite so quickly because looking at my social media and listen social media is not always the best barometer Mm -hmm. he really really has yeah and I am interested as to how and why you think that's happened I think it's because when he took over he was very specific about you know what he wanted um, yeah. And he talked about culture and he talked about non-negotiables and he talked about, you know, everyone getting on board with the way we want to live, 
You know, he didn't just say work or train. I think that was the phrase he used. Um, and when you look at the team and you look at some of the players in it, you look at some of the, the issues that have happened, it feels like, as I think we were asked a couple of weeks ago, some of the non-negotiables feel pretty negotiable, yeah. you know? So I think there's that sense that that he has, maybe because he's had to compromise, you know, on those ideals. Like if, if Ganduzi's out on loan for disciplinary issues, which, uh, you know, I think is, uh, we can all understand. I mean, it is, it is a funny situation in that, you know, Ganduzi scored a goal, I think, at the weekend for Hertha Berlin, and everyone's posting mm-hmm. the thing on Twitter going, oh, my God, we should have Ganduzi back. And it's like, well, that's, what, the first goal he scored in two years? You know, mm-hmm. let's not pretend that's the thing. And there were disciplinary issues. There were problems with him. You know, big ones. N- more than one. And the decision to sort of send him out on loan, um, you know, whether we could have got a fee for him if we'd been better in the summer, that's another question. But, you know, okay, do that. Deal with that. Um, but there are just there are just too many mixed messages, I think. Right, yeah. That's what I think it is. Hypocrisy? I don't know if it's hypocrisy. Like, I think there might be something different between, you know, um, what a player does in training. uh, You know, if they work hard, if Arteta sees a player work hard week in, week out, every day on the training ground, I think he's going to be inclined to, to pick him. But performances on the pitch don't seem to apply the same way if you like mm-hmm. like you can train brilliantly great you're in the team you play like a cunt you're still in the team how does that work i think that's kind of what it is i mean i can't speak for anybody else no 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 I'm just uh, but, but, to your opinion but i just think that you know one of the things that i i had a lot of sympathy for and maybe still do have sympathy for for arteta is just the sheer volume of shit he has had to deal with since he took over when you think Mm -hmm. about all the various things that were in play this time last year you know with you know things going wrong under Emery there was the Shaka situation there was um, you know obviously COVID-19 the financial uh, aspect of that playing football behind closed doors basically for the best part of a year has got to be really weird and I think that is uh, an issue but it's an issue for every other team as well uh, I, I did have sympathy for that. You know, the the, the fact that the previous um, director of football, you know, did deals um, which seemed to benefit the, the players that he brought in and maybe the agents that were used far more than they benefited the team, right? All of those things. But there have also been just quite a lot that Arteta seems to have created himself. And maybe this is kind of what happens if you're going into somewhere and you are rooting out what you think are are bad eggs or, or whatever it might be. Maybe that's just how it plays out until you can get rid of some of these guys properly. But I don't think he's helped himself with some of the things that he's done, some of the things that he said, you know? And obviously the football I, isn't helping either. My interpretation is that I think lots of people... Mikel Arteta himself included in this, I think got carried away. 
that, that, that is sort of where I am now. I think that he managed to get a few performances out of a group of players to help them win the FA Cup. And I think he, I think he got carried away with the potential of some of these players and forgot that they are who they are mm. to an extent. That someone like Granit Xhaka is still Granit Xhaka, you know. Mm. Um, and I think as well, the Arsenal hierarchy... Uh, got carried away. Yeah, a little bit. I do think that. In terms of promoting Arteta... And I think I think uh, I think a lot of fans got carried away, and I would count myself in that. I would count myself in that in terms of seeing uh, a cup win and a short-term improvement, and thinking, "Wow, we have we Arteta is the guy we hoped he is," mm. because actually, you know, that wasn't sufficient evidence to make that call, and I don't know if I definitively said, oh, he's definitely that guy, but I definitely was leaning that way. Well, I mean, uh, isn't that part of just fandom in that you want the guy to be what maybe you're projecting, of course, maybe you're projecting all these things onto him, but like... Yeah, I'll we, give every manager... We want him to be good. We, exactly. we look at the positive things he does and we, we take encouragement and optimism from them and we look at some of the other things and we think, well, he can learn from that or he could do better. I think that's part of it. You want the guy to be good. It's like every time we sign a player, every time we sign a player, you go, great. I hope this guy is fucking good. I really want him to be good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And <laughs> unfortunately, that's not always the case. No, exactly. And and I think I'm, I'm I, do you know what? I'm almost forgiving of it. Like I can understand why Arteta might have had that misplaced faith in some of these players. And I can understand, slightly less so, but I can almost understand why the Arsenal executives or the owners might have thought, hang on, this guy could be really something special. I can kind of see how we ended up in that position. Mm. Um, my worry is, and I don't, again, I don't know definitively, but my worry is at this point, it may have been hasty or misplaced. Um, I, I, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a real problem. It's mm. a real problem. I, I think something we've touched on here as well is that there are almost two jobs at Arsenal. There is the long-term rebuild that everyone agrees has to happen, and there is the short-term actually winning some football matches thing. And it's a difficult balance to strike. And I uh, currently, I think we're pretty. It's pretty obvious Arteta isn't striking it. Yeah. And also, how much do you think it hurts him? You know, we've spoken about players being unhappy and players being left out and a bit of poison around the group and around the squad. How much do you think it hurts Arteta's standing with the group? That If he comes out and says things like he did in the Spanish media, of, you know, I'm five or six players away from the team I want to play. Mm. Does that damage things? Does that make his job harder in the short term? Um, I mean, if it bruises some overinflated egos in his own dressing room, yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. finding it difficult to to feel sorry for the poor players who's sitting there going, "Oh, maybe I'm one of the players that he doesn't like." You know, fuck that. But at the same time, you might say that it was somewhat injudicious to be that public about it. You know what I mean? That's my concern. Mm. 
And then um, I, then I, then I, you know, I, I also think, well, if you're a player that's feeling demoralized because you feel like you're not necessarily one of the coach's favorites, you know, fuck off, basically. You know, work harder. You know, prove him wrong. Show your mettle, whatever it might be. Don't just sulk and leak things or whatever it might be. Mm, mm, you know, mm. I, yeah, I think there's two sides to the coin. Two sides to that coin. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, it is a mess, for sure. And I I saw you wrote this morning about it could get worse, and mm. I share those fears, I have to say. Well, when you look at the fixtures that we've got coming up, we've got Southampton on Wednesday... Followed by... They're really good, yeah, by the way. They are. <laughs> um, what odds a Theo Walcott goal? Um, Everton then, away. What odds an Alex Iwobi goal? Probably pretty high. Oh, oh no, famous last words right there. Anyway, uh, Man City then in the EFL Cup, which, you know, even if people can dismiss that tournament as not the most important, you know, if you take a... If you take a pounding, it's no good for anyone. Then you've got Chelsea on Stevens Day, 26th. Mm. And then you've got Brighton and, and West Brom. And you might say, oh, Brighton, that could be a good one for us. But we lost there. We lost there last season. They're, I mean, Brighton are a better team than us at the moment. And I I'm not saying that lightly. They are. They definitely are. Um, so, I mean... Do you? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what way to phrase that question because you know there's the the potential that maybe January could see you active in the transfer market, but if you've you know not won any games or <laughs> well, also what, and, and what if you've got a manager who says um, I'd like another William, please? Yeah, like is that the manager? that you want to give all the backing to in the transfer market? Yeah. I, I, those things are in question at this point. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. I mean, look, there are... Famous last words. Uh, I, I don't think relegation is... <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I, I don't think that's a realistic prospect. I don't. But, and that's part... That's less to do with us being good and more to do with... Sheffield United being absolutely appalling, uh, West Brom being pretty bad, and Fulham having had such a dreadful start that them surviving is going to be very difficult at this point. But they have to treat January like a summer transfer window, I think. They have to do as much work as they possibly can, don't mm. they? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, like we said... Uh, at the start, the the focus is on the young players um, right now to to provide something different and to to provide qualities or to give the team a boost or whatever it might be. And you know, you have to keep that within the bounds of of realism how much they can actually contribute. But if you keep picking these players, if you keep picking these players in this system in this formation with this. I say style of football in inverted commas because there's not much style to it. Unless you can 
adds something to the squad. I don't think that the R word is completely off the table. Wow. I don't. Well, look at the form. Look at the form. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being naive. I, I don't know. I, I just... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we've taken four points from our last eight games. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I say Fulham starts bad, but it's only five points off us. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, <sighs> so that yeah, then you come back to the question of like, well, is he the guy? Is he the guy you want to give the yeah, money to? I, is is he? You know, what's he going to do with the players that he brings in? What players are you going to bring in? What way are you going to strengthen the team? How how are you going to spend money that will make what he is asking them to do radically different? You know, what is what is an hour going to do to this team if he is just sort of isolated the way other players are isolated? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's it's not going to change anything. Like, if you just drop in one midfield player and we keep doing what we're doing now, I honestly don't think it will change that much. Mm. I think I think we have to rethink how we're approaching these games. Mm. And and I think what it basically comes down to down to is that a lot of teams in the Premier League play with like a low block defence particularly away from home and Arsenal have just not at any point under Mikel Arteta demonstrated they have a solution to that problem yeah um, and it's worrying that we that we don't seem to be getting closer if anything we, uh, if anything it feels like we're getting further away and we've got a manager who now is feeling the pressure and slightly Flailing, and, and I think one of the re- in terms of sort of why goodwill and positive sentiment towards him has evaporated so quickly. I genuinely think that part of it is that where do you derive your hope from? Mm. Because he has no track record, so no one can mount an argument of. Yeah, he'll turn it well, around. We've seen well, famously him do it he turned it around exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I tweeted this last night, but. Arsene Wenger had this incredible capacity to, when he was getting close to the brink, he found a way to stop the rot. Do you know what I mean? Like he would, mm. he would, it would be dreadful. Like he would grind out a nil-nil somewhere that just gave his team a foothold yeah. and stopped the free fall. And then he'd go on a run. He seemed to follow bad runs with good runs. He would, he would, you know, find a way to just grind out points mm. in a way that showed such survival instinct on his part. And I think it was hugely frustrating for the people who wanted him out because he would get so close to the precipice and then fight back. And we don't know if Arteta has that capacity. And that, I think, is why hope has evaporated so quickly because there's no... Mm. Proof. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the evidence suggests that it's kind of not. But then we don't have... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A big sample size, you know, when it comes to what he does and how he reacts in adversity. Because this is basically... You know, I know he had some difficult, um, difficult results last season. I mean, in one way, you could say perhaps 
the uh, you know after we lost to Brighton and after we lost to Man City and he went to that um, what did he you know the three yeah the three at the back and subsequent to that we True. only lost two True. games. True for the rest of the season, you know. True. Uh, so there is that, but it's you know how but, but muddled has it become. This- yeah, and we've been in this kind of holding pattern for a while now. You know, it was Leeds, wasn't it, that he kind of mixed it up and changed things, brought mm. Joe Willock in, put a bang up front. When was that? That was a few games ago now. Yeah, yeah. That was in November, right? And so it's not managed to stop the rot. Um, I thought of something then, but it's gone now. Yeah, I... I uh... Yeah, I I worry for him. And I have to say, looking at him, listening to him, he's under intense pressure yeah. at this point. And ha- oh, this is what I was going to say. Had he not won the FA Cup, would he be surviving this run? If he weren't a former Arsenal captain and relatively popular former yeah. player would he survive this run either of those questions i think are worth asking arsenal are a club that in the past 10 years have put too much stock in fa cup wins that's for sure you know we 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 they're great but we always sort of took them as a sign that our league form might change and mm. they very rarely did that yeah. um i hope that's not a mistake that's been made again but you could understand worrying it. I just think Arsenal is a very particular situation. If this was happening at another equivalent club, as you kind of mentioned earlier, I find it very difficult to imagine how it might continue. I think we need a break. Have a sandwich, cup of tea. Okay, recharge our batteries. I'll uh, yeah, because it, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm just mumbling now. Let's have a break. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog on the ArsBlog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an ArsBlog member on Patreon. Um, I've, a lot of the questions are, are around topics and issues that we've kind of covered broadly in part one. You know, mm. there's a lot of stuff. You know about being bad. Us being, about bad. us being bad. What do we do about it? How do we fix it? Who should fix it? When are they going to fix it? When are they going to make Arsenal good again? When are we going to stop being such absolute twats? Many of those questions I feel like we've covered in in part. The twats one. one was just about you and I, right? Yeah, I think so. But look, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we accept all the feedback graciously from our uh, very wonderful and loyal listeners. So thank you very much indeed. Anyway, here's a question to start with. Um, we've got a few of these, or a couple of these, uh, I noticed. Uh, and now I find it. Fuck. Okay. Derek Fitzpatrick, who's at Derek F, says, What would you rather live with for the rest of your life? The sound of oh, the goodness. Emirates water pump droning in your ears, or the visuals of Willian and Bellerin trying to work a short corner replaying when you close your eyes? And also Nick Church Burton, who's at... Uh, Wenger's underscore jacket on Twitter says, what is the worst combination? Orange juice and toothpaste, oil and water, bathtubs and toasters, fragrant human shit, and uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, hyperosmia, it's a heightened sense of smell, or Bellerin and Willian. They're all quite bad combos, I have to say. (laughs) Bathtub and toasters, not a great one, in fairness. Not a great one. It, it, what happened? Have you seen the Mel Gibson film What Women Want? He drops a hairdryer in his bath, yeah. and then he can hear women's internal monologues. So there can be some positive outcomes to the combination of electrics and water. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, the crowd. The sort of uh, the point about the noise is an interesting one. I mean, the crowd were very subdued. I have to say, I can't blame them too much for that it's interesting you know the, the 2000 fans that got in for the Europa League game they had actively sought out those tickets right they'd gone onto yeah. the website at nine o'clock in the morning gone into an online queue and basically scrabbled to get those tickets the situation against Burnley is somewhat different it was the fans who had won a ballot uh, and as I said last night, winning that ballot is a bit like being called up for jury service. It's like no one really actually wants to go and watch Arsenal in the Premier League at the moment. And I kind of understand that. So uh, the atmosphere was poor. And I know people who were at both games and they said, look, the Europa crowd were much more into it. But I'm much more into watching the Europa League team. So I kind of understand it, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. But back to Willian and... and Willian and Bellerin. It doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't. It's not working at the moment. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot that's wrong with it. There's a lot that's wrong with it. I have to to say, I think Bellerin's um, final ball is one of the issues recently. I actually think he's got into some decent positions and not really delivered. The corners are absolutely infuriating. There was one early on last night where they played it short and it ended up going back to like the halfway line. And I just thought, what are we up to here? Um, Mm. You know, especially after the the set piece coach's arrival, I really was hoping... Well, he needs to be fired, that guy. 
whoever the fuck he is, get well, him he's, out. He's clearly a defensive set-piece coach. That's all I can say. Because we don't concede... Well, we did last night, actually. Forget it. It's fired. I changed my mind. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Pepe's available again and he has to play, doesn't he? He has to play on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, I know I said this last week, but I'll be really, really, really angry this time if William starts. <laughs> I think that's sort of the only, the last excuse, isn't it? You know, not having Pepe available. But once he is available, mm. that's got to be, he's, he, he has to start this game. Um, and Willian, I think, absolutely deserves to be dropped. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not much more to say than that, is there? No. So who's your who's your combo for Southampton then? Maitland Niles and Pepe, I think. Do you fear it could be Cedric and Pepe? Do you th- or fear? I do Sorry. fear that. You think it? Do you think it could be? I should be. It I should be, be fair there. The only way in which I'd be okay with that is if it meant Maitland Niles was playing in midfield. Mm. I could kind of live with that if Maitland Niles was playing central midfield. Um. I think in the absence of Thomas Partey, I think we could really do with someone with the athleticism of Maitland-Niles in midfield. So I might even prefer that, to mm. be honest with you. What do you think? Um, well, look, you know, I don't think uh, either Willian or Bellerin have covered themselves in any glory in recent times. It is not a combination that works particularly well. I know it won us the the penalty at Old Trafford, but it's yeah. really about the only time I can remember uh, them combining, you know, well of late. Um, it, it, maybe they did for the Fulham game. I can't remember, but, you know, uh, it's not working at the moment. Cedric and Pepe could be maybe Maitland-Niles in midfield. I, I just feel like... Arteta is almost dead against the idea of Maitland-Niles in midfield unless it's part of that back three formation Mm. where he uses him on the left-hand side and and tucks him into a midfield position. But it's not really a a starting central midfield position, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, my hunch says it will be Cedric, you know? Whatever happens with Maitland Nars, I just think Arteta might make that call. And I think especially with Pepe starting, he might think I'll go with the more natural defender. Mm. Um I don't know, but that's much. Uh, the thing is, I think Willian and Bellerin, I think it it's nearly worked at times. <laughs> like if I think of the Spurs game, I think Bellerin got in some really good positions. But I think he didn't deliver there. Mm. And that's been the frustration for me. Um, yeah, I mean, look, forced, he's forced to change it, isn't he? As we said in part one, he's forced to change it. So it'll be really interesting to see what he comes up with. Probably Willian playing in every position. <laughs> 11, <laughs> 11 Williams. Williams. Yeah. Um, willy, 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 willy. Wow, yeah. I mean, there are other words for that piece of anatomy that would be more appropriately shouted at him from the sidelines. Winkle. What, 
<laughs> I mean, what about this? Gary Hunt at Mulchi says, just how lucky are Arteta, Shaka, Willian and others that there are no real crowds? The reactions they'd be getting and the increased pressure they'd be under would be massive at this point. Yeah, I guess you could say it was lucky. I did hear some boos at the end yesterday and I was kind of glad that there were some fans there to express that sentiment. You know, not that I'm sort of advocating for 60,000 people booing or whatever it is, but, you know, when you lose your fifth, fourth, you know, home game in a row, um, you're not going to get applauded off the pitch, are you? You know, that's mm. human nature. Uh, yeah, I guess they are a bit lucky. Um, and will continue to be a bit lucky because, you know, they're not going to get that many people back in the grounds um, that quickly. Anytime soon, no. So, I, you know, I don't know. You could say maybe the pressure of fans being there could redouble their efforts. Um, maybe the, the crowd is the 12th man and all those kind of unquantifiable uh, aspects that, that, that supporters can bring inside a ground. But, yeah, I think they are just fucking lucky. Yeah. Your go. My go. Okay, uh, let me have a look here. Okay, uh, Sonny Cool on the Discord says, Arteta was a lot nicer about Shaka and his red card than he was about Pepe and his red card. Why? I think this is an interesting one because most of us felt that the way Arteta uh, spoke about Pepe in the immediate aftermath of that... Um, game was not right the degree to which he sort of hung him out to dry and I think Arteta kind of sense knew that too because he seemed to row back on it a bit in his subsequent press conferences mm. so while I understood the uh, desire for him to treat Shaka uh, as harshly as he did Pepe I also want Arteta to learn from his mistakes. Do you see what I mean? So there's kind of a, a balance to be found there. I, I did think he was a lot more forgiving um, in his tone. And I think that isn't a great surprise if you look at the esteem in which he holds both players judged on their selection. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't want him to say he let the team down about anybody. No, but I think he can. I, I didn't. I didn't have an issue with him saying that it was unacceptable from no, Pepe. I did. I. I didn't have that problem, and I think, you know, he did. Was he prompted to say it by Jeff Shreves in his interview? He kind of was, yeah. So he wasn't he, as he wasn't. He didn't appear to be as furious with Jack as he was about Pepe. There was a, a sort of an interesting idea that you know maybe football managers are in some ways harsher on the guys who have the most talent who they feel perhaps are underperforming or you know what I mean they're, yeah. they're a little bit harsher with them they push them more because they feel like they're capable of more so you know when Pepe does something like that you know he feels like he's he's let the team down or whatever it is and maybe with Shaki was just like well yeah what can you expect from this guy but I don't no, know. I, I think there's an element of unconscious bias to it, you know, and I think that 
he is someone who's been a big supporter of Shaka and someone who's not been a great proponent of, of Pepe so yeah. in terms of picking him so I think inevitably that influenced how he perceived the situations and I also think Shaka as we've expressed he's someone who kind of on the outers at least seems to show indicators of spirit indicators of courage you know those kinds of uh, outward displays of character in a way that Pepe doesn't and I think that Arteta rightly or wrongly buys into some of that mm. um, and yeah. that informs how he perceives those players I, I think uh, yeah I, I think it was telling actually that he he did talk about it in a very different way and I think it was more than him just trying to correct course after lambasting a player publicly against Leeds mm. Um I think it does speak to, well, a little bit of favouritism. And we're seeing a bit of favouritism in, in the selection. Yeah. Um, it's tricky. There's so many. There are so many questions. What about... Uh, oh, can I do this question? It's not really about Arteta or anything, but I think it's worth doing because I'm sure there are people out there feeling similarly so Rarlet on Twitter says can you suggest some coping strategies for dealing with this all jokes aside this is genuinely causing me levels of depression and anxiety oh fucking hell I'm very sorry to hear that genuinely but I'm not sure I'm best placed to advise anybody on mental health issues and I mean that really sincerely and seriously um yeah. You know, I, I can only say that if it is something that is causing you real angst or depression, as invested as we all are in Arsenal, maybe just step away. I don't I know. I think that's fine. I think that's... I, I, mean, yeah, I don't we, think there's anything wrong with that. To, I'm being, again, I'm in no way qualified to give anybody therapy. I just feel that if, you know, don't feel like you're a bad fan if something is... is is physically or mentally causing you pain or distress if you need to take a break from it. That's yeah. as much as I can say on that. Yeah. No, and listen, the only reason I bring it up is because I'd seen uh, a couple of questions of that nature. And I guess given the wider context of the world, there's a lot, you know, there's yeah. a lot of reasons people might be feeling not great. Sure. And I think it is worth saying, I mean, you and I are basically obliged to be here doing this. <laughs> but <laughs> if, if you're, if you're not, I mean, live your life. Like, I mean, you know, step away from it. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely okay to do that. Yeah, uh, come back. We'll all be here when you come back and exactly. maybe it'll be better. Or maybe yeah. we will be, you know, sitting, rocking back and forward in our chairs in our respective studios or offices at home um, going ever more out of our minds. But, you know, look, it, it, it's it's difficult. I realise it's difficult. And the, the, the overall circumstances of 2020 and, and the, the things we're all having to deal with and the realities of life and society and the world, the world that we thought we knew, um, you know, this on top of everything else, I can understand why it's very difficult for some people. Oh. But, you know, just... Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, speak to professionals. That's also my top advice. Um Geezy peas, then. Right. Which three fringe slash youth players would you fast track and happily take a risk starting every week 
in a bid to change fortunes and which three senior players would make way for them. Okay. The first one is... Gabriel Martinelli. I know he's not fit, but when he is, he is somebody who I would invest in in terms of playing time. Yeah. And he would come into the team at the expense of Lacazette. Yeah. I think Smith Rowe is another really interesting player. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. I realize there are physical issues. We're not sure if he's got what it takes from a physical perspective because he's had a lot of injuries in a, a fairly key part of his career. You know, when he went to Leipzig, he was injured, and didn't yeah, didn't yeah, really yeah. play. He had a good spell with Huddersfield and did well there. And, you know, if he can survive the rough and tumble of uh, the championship, then, you know, he can probably deal with the physical nature of, of the Premier League as well. Uh, but I don't know that he's quite ready to start week in, week out, but he is the kind of player that I think this team is missing to an extent. Mm. So he would come into the team quite where you play him. I'm not 100% sure, but if you were to play him instead of Willian, I wouldn't have any complaints whatsoever. And if he was potentially part of a midfield three, um, assuming you had the right kind of base, you know, if you had a, a, a two maybe sitting and one ahead in that kind of a role, I think he could be he could be very interesting. So he's one. He's another one. Who else? Can I suggest one? Yeah. Uh, I'd say Saliba. That's a great shout. I hadn't... Uh, not that I didn't think of it, but he just was sort of so far in the yeah, periphery of my thinking when I was thinking about the young players because he just hasn't been involved. So would you play him ahead of holding? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, if the question is, you know, you're, you're taking a risk and you're sort of yeah. attempting to change fortunes or build for the long term, I think you've got to look at him as a massive asset that we have to try and get something out of. Um mm. And I think the use of him so far has been, you know, a complete catastrophe. I understand there's some outside factors in that, but clubs handled it poorly. And I think, uh, yeah, I think I'd throw him in and see, you know, the, uh, we're getting indications from him that he's not happy, aren't we? You know, like little bits and pieces coming out on social media um, from his Instagram interactions, things like that. Yeah. That suggest this is a guy who's pretty fed up. And you can understand that. I mean, God knows how he feels about his decision to come to London at this point. It's cost him a cup final. It's cost him six months playing time. It's not been what he dreamed of. So, uh, listen, I, I would I would include him in that as well. And I agree with you on Martinelli. I agree with you on Smith Rowe. Um, I was sort of tempted to talk about Maitland-Niles there, but I'm, I don't necessarily put him in the same category as, as you know, the young players because he's a couple of years older than, than most of them. I, I know that there's a huge uh, element of projection here, and I don't know that you can do it week in, week out, but I would like to see Balagoon make the bench. I'd like to see him as an option from the bench as a kind of 
as the kind of forward who he looks to me like a very modern center forward. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not downplaying what, what Eddie and Ketty has done this season. He's scored, you know, five goals, whatever it is. Um, he's still young as well. Um, but I think he, his game is, is quite limited. You know what I mean? He's, mm. he's a penalty box goal scorer. Yeah. Every time he scores, um, Orbino on Twitter adds up the yards you know, yeah. uh, and he, he tends to score from close range. He, he nicks goals. You know, he's a penalty box, a six-yard box striker, um, you know, which has a which has a use. No, I'm not denying that. I just think that Balagoon looks to have a much more rounded game. And if you're talking about getting young players into the team, even if he's not going to start, have him on the bench. When you need a goal, bring on a young striker who can run, who can hold the ball up, who can turn, who can finish, who's got physical presence, you know, who could ask some questions of mm. the opposition team. So he'd be one. And I have to say, listen, I know there are mitigating factors, but we are getting, I mean, fuck all from Aubameyang at the moment. We really are. Like, he's just not in games. It's just not mm. even. Like, did he, I mean, I mean, he scored an own goal last night, but apart from that, I barely saw him. Yeah. Yeah, did he have a shot? He had the header, didn't he, from... He had the header, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a great stat, actually. It's James Bench um, tweeted it last night. I don't know if you saw this. It was about the percentage of Aubameyang's Premier League shots that are headers. Yeah. So over the last four seasons, it went 3%, 6%, just under 10% last season. And now it's, um, what, 53%. Well, it's 21%. Right, okay. And sense. actually, it was 6.5% pre-Arteta taking over. So since Arteta, it then went up to 13% in the second half of last season and now at 21%. Like, that's not playing to his strengths. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that's a good shout. I mean, why not? I mean, basically at this point, my attitude is sort of, why not? <laughs> like, and anything changes as good as the rest for me. Yeah. Um, anyhow, what is your question? It's my question. Okay. Um, Cluck the Rotisserie Chicken on the Discord says, if you have to look at Arsenal from a glass half full perspective, are there any positives you can take from the last few Premier League games? Is there any hope at all for Arteta and the Arsenal project? I mean, I, I think we are playing, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think there are a couple of signs. I think there are a couple of signs. Like, I think that, I mean, it's slim pickings. Let me be clear. Let me couch this in that. But I think, you know, there have been a the tiniest tiniest green shoots of improvement going forward but it's small it is fractional mm. um but i have seen it and it has all come down the wings and it worries me enormously that we're just not building up anything through the middle um but in terms of getting down the wings the the frequency with which we're getting say kieran tierney into decent crossing positions and it is almost exclusively that has improved a little bit 
that is the kindest I can be about it. Mm. What about you? Um, I suppose the fact that we took, what, 18 or had 18 attempts on, on goal yeah, is yeah. an improvement based on what we've done before. Especially spending half an hour with 10 men, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, there were chances last night to score a goal. Lacazette should have scored in the first half for me. Yeah, I think he should have done better with the one that, you know, we worked the ball nicely. Um, I think it was a tyranny cutback, was it? Um, yeah, and he sort of hits it kind of straight at the keeper, Yeah, really. a bit toe-pokey or something. Uh, yeah. You know, Gabriel scored from that position against Wolves. Um, yeah, he but, can score there. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not going to sort of say the reason we lost the game was because one of our central defenders didn't score a you know a ten percent chance or whatever it was. Um, I don't yeah, know what the yeah. XG is for for a chance like that, particularly headed. Um, so I'm not going to yeah go to town on on that miss. The opening part of the second half was was see I don't know if it was good. Or if it was just better. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. It was better. It was better, but was it good? Uh, not sure. So Don't that, think that's it was the great. Thing. That's the thing. The, the better is, you know, obviously um, nice. But if the bar is so low that better is still not that good, then you've still got a problem. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. So, yeah, if those were... If those were the cl- uh, straws I'm clutching at, that's about it. I, I do think this sort of Lacazette at number 10 thing, I do wonder if in years to come we'll look back at it in the same way that we do kind of Andrea Chavin as a sole striker. Is, the, is it the modern equivalent of Abue being a pass master? I mean, possibly. This guy... <sighs> If you think of a number 10, what you want from them... Well, there are different things you want, but one of the things you want, I think, is a level of technical security. The guy playing as our key playmaker had a passing accuracy on the night of 66%. It's not going to mm. work. No. No, I mean... I mean, th- there are ways of playing that role, by the way, that don't rely on you being a pass master. You know, if I think of someone like Deli Alley. He plays, or played for Spurs anyway, they dispense with him now, um, as a kind of second striker, number 10, mm. pressing agent, someone who runs off the ball, scores chances, um, you know, gets beyond the striker. He's not there to link the play and be a continuity passer. Um, but what's weird is that seems to be what we're asking Lacazette to do. Mm. He's, he's not playing it like a second striker, really. He's dropping into his own half. Yeah, deep lying playmaker, quarterback kind of stuff. You know, that's not <laughs> yeah. his game. And look, I'm, you know, I can't fault his effort. And at Europa League level, he had a good game in one game doing it. But it's not the answer. It's not the answer at Premier League level. It isn't, no. no. It isn't. Um, hmm. Oh. Ooh. Question from the Discord. Okay. Okay, Nedge89. What do you make of the reports regarding David Luiz and Arteta? If true, surely this is where Edu has to step in and back Arteta in front of the players. Mm. Um, either you play for the coach we've hired or you're out. 
I mean, it is one of the warning signs of the apocalypse, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be a bit awkward for Edu, wouldn't it? Having to, you know... Choose between... Choose between one of Kia's clients and, you know, the man who's in charge of the football the club. The reason he's still in a job, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean... Um, well, I mean, what look, do you I, make of those reports and, and what could that signify? Well, uh, you know, I know that, that uh, Chris Wheatley... Um, wrote about them for Football London, and uh, I, you know, I, I think Chris provided that information in good faith. I know Absolutely. there was a very strong denial, wasn't there? From we assume from uh, from Kia a spokesperson. I think it was from Kia and the club, but that's not unusual at the moment. When things are said about Kia, you know. This is this is how he tends to react. There was there was weird. There was a weird kind of phrasing to the denial. Should we have a look? It says David Luiz strongly denies this story about him and Arteta, and insists he has a good relationship with Arteta and wishes nothing but success. That's kind of the thing you say when you're leaving, when you've <laughs> left, isn't it? it? It is. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Now maybe it's just a you know poor turn of phrase um look i think I, 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 i'd be a little bit surprised only because they seem to be quite close yeah. previously but we know well louise has got a fucking track record he's got previous he's got a lot of previous and like and, you say chris would not report this you know unless he had good reasons exactly exactly and look you know while i think arteta is under the microscope and under a lot of pressure if someone like Louise, who he has backed publicly, penalty after fucking stupid penalty, he got a lot of support from Mikel Arteta. If Louise has turned on him, I feel like it kind of says more about Louise than Arteta, which isn't to say Arteta doesn't have issues. Of course he does. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... It doesn't augur well when there are stories about dressing room discontent. No, no. It really doesn't. No, no. And that's another another straw on the camel's back that is Arteta's current situation. Yeah. What do you think? Uh... There have been problems with Luis at Arsenal in the past over his contract renewal. He was very frustrated that that was left as long as it was because he felt he'd had assurances that um, it would be extended for the second year. Mm. And that created a lot of tension between him and the hierarchy, as you could put it. But tension between him and Arteta would be a new thing. And I think that would be a really bad sign. Uh, I don't know that to be true definitively, but I think it would be a bad sign. Like, I think Louise, talk about people who are influential in dressing rooms, David Louise is one of those guys. And look at his track record at Chelsea. When he turns his back on a manager, it doesn't end well. For the manager? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, he's never been at a fucking club like Arsenal before. True. Yeah, he doesn't know how long this could run. But like, uh, you know, and it's one of the reasons I think Mourinho sold Luis at Chelsea quite swiftly. He probably thought, well, I don't mm. want this, you know. Not this, this guy, yeah. For, for, yeah. but 
he's a fascinating character for that reason, isn't he? When you've got him on side, there's no one quite like him. You know, there's so much positivity that comes from him. When that fades, I think he probably holds a lot of sway with younger players, with other people in the dressing room, and it's a dangerous game. Yeah. So for Arteta's sake, I hope the relationship isn't as bad as, as we hear. Yeah, again, this is one of those where I just like, you know, that that kind of positivity or that kind of character that it's conditional, you know? Surely, mm. surely when the chips are down, this is when you want the big guys standing up and, and being trying to be positive and trying to yeah. bring about a, a change. But, it, you know, it's quite interesting that he wasn't available. Maybe that cut on his head was was much worse than we thought, but there was some talk of him being available for the next game. Yeah, it must be and, a bad cut. And now he hasn't been seen in two squads in a row. So it'll be very interesting to see if he's involved on on Wednesday. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, yeah. look, I I don't think holding was particularly bad or anything like that against uh, against Burnley. I thought he did all right, you know. I don't think I think he Arsenal was, miss I Louise, think, though. I do actually. I don't think he was the problem. You 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 think we missed the passing? Yeah, I mm. do. Um, not holding past poorly either. No, there in were a couple, game. Of, couple of good balls actually. There was one into Saka in midfield, yeah. which he, which Saka took very well. And can I actually can I say we're well, going back to the question about um, things to be positive about? Bukayo Saka is one of them because. Yesterday, I felt, particularly after we went down to 10 men, he took on real responsibility uh, and tried to, to make things happen. And, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think he showed a lot of character. Yeah. I do think um, it's worth looking, and I know this is in the context of a team that is dramatically underperforming. I do think... You know, he, he's not producing end product either in this team. He's got one Premier League goal, zero mm. assists. Mm. Um, so even our bright spot uh, it's ain't getting it done. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that tells you something. Um, have you got a question there? Uh, I, haven't got a late, I haven't got ages more time, by the way. Sorry about that. Well, look, I think probably we should we should leave it there. Because, okay. because, yeah, I've got to get this uploaded and a little bit of editing to do, and the people want to hear it. They might, <laughs> re- they might regret it <laughs> by this point. They might be regretting having listened. But yeah, I think we leave it there because we're not, we're not sort of getting anywhere new. Um, and we'll see, obviously, what what happens on Wednesday night against Southampton. So yeah, look. The answers to all our questions, sadly, we don't have them, but hopefully we've done our best. Um, I don't know what else to say. What I, I just, this club, I mean, I just can't believe how they managed to keep being uh, a crisis club. It, it is extraordinary, their capacity for crisis. Mm. Let's leave it there. There's another game coming up, isn't There's there? another game, yeah. Well, let's hope, keep everything crossed so that we can, you know, actually win score a goal is that too much 
Score a goal, even. Just score a goal. A goal would be great. Yeah. A goal would be nice. It's going to be a big ask against Southampton, so look, we'll deal with that a bit later in the week. Uh, as ever, thank you very much, indeed, for being here. We know it's not easy. These are difficult times, so we appreciate your uh, support, uh, your listens, your likes, your Patreon uh, subscriptions, your reviews on iTunes and all of that stuff. We uh, really, really do appreciate it. So thank you for being with us. Um, it means a lot, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then. Bye-bye. Oh, I, miss, I can't even say goodbye, right? Do it. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.